0: Thanks for listening to Summit PA Sermon Audio, weekly teaching from the Summit Church in Indiana, Pennsylvania. SummitPA.church, every life made different. Well, thank you. Thank you very, very much for having me back again. I think it's it's always an honor to be um, at a place to speak, but to be invited back is always even a better honor because that means you didn't blow it. Uh, you didn 't completely blow it the first time, and so i 'm honored to be here it 's such an honor to be friends with Mel and Kim, and uh, we served together at a church for a couple of years and so you know a lot of times you you only get to see uh, your pastor a lot of times on stage. Um, but what I can tell you about about Pastor Mel and Pastor Kim is that they are the real deal off the stage yeah. behind the curtain, behind the veil they are amazing. Amazing, amazing people. So you are blessed to have them as your pastor. I just want you to know that. In case you didn't know that, I'll just let you know, you are blessed to have them as your pastor. And I know they're doing amazing things. What a beautiful facility. What a beautiful addition to your to your church. And it's just it's it's amazing to see how far you've come in just a year. It was about a year that I was here last time. And it's obvious that God's hand is on this house. And uh, can we just thank your pastors one more time? Let them know how much you feel about them. So. I, uh, I came to preach tonight, if that's okay. Um, is that okay, if I preach? Okay. Uh, at my church, I, I like feedback, and so my church will say amen to me sometimes, and, and uh, if, I, if I preach good enough, they'll say amen to me, and if, if they don't, Pastor Oscar will amen me. I can always depend on Pastor Oscar. That's, see, that's good. That's right. Thank you, Pastor Oscar. <laughs> it helps that I sign his paychecks, but... but um, but no, I want to preach to you guys tonight, just for, for the few minutes that I have you on, on a topic that I think uh, will be relevant to all of you. Um, I like to talk about things that impact every, every one of us, all of us, uh, things that at any given moment in your life, you will face this. Uh, the people in the balcony, can I get the people in the balcony to say Amen. Uh, <laughs> That was totally for me. I've just always wanted to say that. My church doesn't have a balcony, and I would just love to be able to say, can I hear the balcony say something? That was totally for me. I'm sorry. I won't do that again. Um, so so this, this thing that I want to talk to you about is something that if, if you've never, I'm going to preach about a phrase, a phrase that you've either said before or you've thought it before, or if you haven't up until this point, I need to meet you after church because you can counsel me. Um, but you probably will think or say this phrase again. And it's a phrase that we're all familiar with, and it's it's the phrase is simply this, and it's actually the title of my message, and the phrase is, I can't do this. I can't do it. I can't do it. Because life will throw itself at you, uh, and there will be a moment of your life where you say this phrase or you think this phrase, and and, you know... All the parents in the room said, amen. Like, I can't do, I can't handle these teenagers. Anybody raising teenagers that we could pray for you? Okay, just pray for you after church. You know, if you're raising teenagers, you've gone through this season of, I can't, I can't do this. I can't handle this. See, I get an amen on that one. I like it. You know, maybe, maybe you've gone through a season of your life where it, where it was maybe your finances and your finances. I can't, I can't do this. Maybe you've worked for a boss before. Um, that you just couldn't handle. And you thought, I don't know how much longer I can handle this. Because it's, a, it's something that we all think, even if you're holier than thou and you've never said it, you've thought it. And because it's, it's something when the weight of life comes against us. Uh, but what I love about the scriptures is that it always gives us a way to handle it. It gives us a way to get through it. And so I want to preach a, a passage to you that God put on my heart about six months ago. And I just kind of meditated on it and I've thought about it. And and this is such a rich text um, that I'm not going to preach a whole story to you today. I'm not going to preach. Uh, I'm just going to preach this passage. And my prayer is that I can unpack it in a way toward the next time you say, I can't do this, you're reminded of tonight. If, if last year I reminded you that Nationwide is on your side, but God is always on your side, then maybe this year you'll just remember this, this idea and this, this passage. So go with me in Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 42, verse 16. Um, and if, if you don't have a Bible or you don't want to flip to it, it's cool. They'll probably have it behind me on the screen. Um, so in Isaiah 42, 16, it says this. It says, I will lead the blind by a way they do not know. In paths they do not know, I will guide them. And then it says this. It says, I will make darkness into light before them. Uh, And rugged places into plains. And this is such a rich, such a strong sentence. These are the things that I will do, and I will not leave them undone. That is such a powerful text, and it spoke to me so much. And there's really, when you break this text down, there's three main sections of it. There's three main metaphors or symbolisms, whatever you want to identify them as. It, and it's, it's, there's three of them, and we're going to just break these down. It's the blind, the darkness, and the rugged. And so if you're feeling blind, if you're feeling like you're in the dark, or if you're feeling like you're in a rugged place, which would lead to the phrase, I can't do this, this is the thing that God promises. This is a promise. And in text, in the Bible, when it, when it gives us a promise, man, it's such a rich feeling to know that god has given us a promise to get through these things so that's what i want to talk to you about tonight and so let me pray and then i'll I'll jump into this text okay father thank you for um this opportunity that we have we could be a lot of places right now god we we could be at home sitting on the couch we could uh, be resting we could be doing a lot of things but everybody in this room and even those watching online have taken a moment out of their night have taken a moment out of their busy day we've gotten off work we've we've been juggling kids we've put food in their mouths and we're just here for these few moments to dive into your word and so god may this be a night unlike most nights unlike a typical night where you speak to us and you convict us and you heal us and you encourage us and you enrich us may that tonight be tonight and we just pray that the holy spirit would come that a sermon is just a sermon without the holy Spirit. And so, Father, we stand before you, sit before you tonight, ready to receive, ready to hear a word. So, Holy Spirit, come into this place and do what only you can do. Do your thing. In Jesus' name, amen. So, so I can't do this. I can't do this. It, it represents a, a, a feeling of loss. Usually, this phrase, I can't do this, is said right after something, something difficult has happened. But it's also interesting to note that this phrase is many times said right before you make a decision to do something else. So it's like this transitional phrase. This life has presented itself to you in a way to where you come to the conclusion, I can't do this anymore. And right, before, right after the word, I can't do this anymore, the divorce papers are signed, bankruptcy happens, you leave your faith, you give up on God, you forget about that church, you forget about that, you give up on your kids. So it's a very powerful statement, and I don't know that we realize the, the depth of that. So I want to go back to this text again. I'm going to read it one more time before we break it down, because if you're anything like me, your ADD has kicked in, and you've already forgotten what verse I read a moment ago. So let's read it again, just, just to make sure we're, the, we're all in the right mindset and the right Focus. We're all looking at the same thing here. It says, I will lead the blind by a way they do not know, in paths they do not know. I will guide them. I will make darkness into light before them, and rugged places into plains. These are the things I will do, and I will not leave them undone. And so let me just break these things down one at a time tonight, and we'll get out of here. Okay? So the first thing is blind. Blind. So it, it says, "I will lead the blind. Uh, I'll lead the blind by a way they do not know, in paths they do not know. I will guide them." And it's interesting to, for me to note that there's a lot of times in Scripture when the Bible tells us that He will make the blind to see. Remember all those verses that He will make the blind toward they can see, but not in this passage. This passage, there's no promise of being able to see anything. That. <laughs> In this passage, you're going to remain blind. But I'm going to lead you through your blindness. That there's there's certain times in life that no matter how hard we pray or no matter how hard, we, how hard we pray for clarity, God just doesn't seem to give us it the way we want to get it. But he does promise to lead us and guide us through this phase. And so what I want to do for a second is I want to go back to... to to another story in the Bible, and kind of parallel something in the in, in the in the book of Exodus, we're going to go and look at something. But if you'll if you'll pause with me for a minute, maybe blindness isn't all that bad. And, and let me let me let me dig into that for a second. So, you remember in John chapter nine when Jesus is about to heal the blind guy, and people are start, and and they start saying, "Why is he blind? Was it was it because of the iniquities of his parents? Is that why he's blind?" And if you'll remember with me, Jesus says, no, 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 it has nothing to do with the iniquities of his parents. This man was blind from birth. And then Jesus says this, so that God may get the glory. So sometimes our blindness has a purpose because it makes us realize that I can't get through this season of my life. I can't do this unless God guides me through this blind season of my life. And, and really, it's a, it's a really cool picture of, of what happened to the children of Israel in the book of Exodus, because when they left When they left Egypt, when they left bondage, in a lot of ways, they were blindlessly wandering through the wilderness. Let me show you this text in Exodus 13, chapter 13, verse 17. It says this, it says, when Pharaoh finally let the people go, God did not lead them along the main road that runs through the Philistine territory, even though that was the shortest route to the promised land. So God didn't take them the easy way. He didn't take them the direct way. He didn't take them the way that everyone thought that they would go. He took them on a on a different path, kind of like the airlines do. You know how I, you know how Pastor Oscar and I got to to uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, from Oklahoma. We went south to Dallas before we went northeast to Pittsburgh. That, well, that doesn't make any sense. If I was going to hop in a car and drive to Pittsburgh, I sure wouldn't point my car to the south to go north. It, it just it doesn't make sense, right? Have you ever experienced this with the airlines? I remember one time my wife and I was going to Hawaii, and we went to Chicago to go to Hawaii. It's like, what is happening? What, why are we doing this? But the airlines have, well, at least we hope they do, they have reasons for this, you know. <laughs> they've they've done their analytics and figured out that they can save fuel and if they'll, they'll they'll it's it's it makes sense for them to do that but and it's similar to that in our lives is that sometimes we think god I'm supposed to go this way and we find ourselves going this way yeah. my retirement account is supposed to go this way and it's going this way like What's happening here? I don't, I don't understand what's happening here. But this is what's happening in this text. So watch it. Let's go on and read this. It says this. But it's, for some reason, God always knows what he's doing. Imagine that. It goes on to say, God said, this is why. If the people are faced with a battle, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led them in a roundabout way through the wilderness towards the Red Sea. So they were supposed to go this way. God led them in a roundabout way. Why? Because if he would have sent them on the path that they wanted to go on or that was the most knowledgeable, they would have had to go to a battle that they could not have won. Actually, this text concludes by saying this. Thus the Israelites left Egypt like an army ready for battle. So God is saying you're ready for battle, but you're not ready for battle. You think you're ready for that battle, but you're not ready. And so since you're not ready for that battle, I'm going to take you in a roundabout way because you're not ready for that battle. God loves us too much, but by the grace of God, you know. if, we, if you've ever gone back and replayed your life and thought to yourself, man, if that would have happened the way I wanted it to, I wouldn't have met that person. I wouldn't have got that job. I wouldn't have. Because God always knows what He's doing when He takes us in a roundabout way. But interestingly enough, think about it this way God, God sent them on a roundabout way to avoid a battle, to take them to a battle. Because the way that He took them put their backs up against the Red Sea. What happens when their backs were against the Red Sea? Here comes the Egyptians at them. Now the difference is, if they would have went on the, on the direct route that they wanted to go, they would have walked into a battle that they thought they could win. Scripture tells us they thought they were ready for battle. And they would have lost. The only difference is he led them to a battle, watch this, that they knew they couldn't win. I can't do this. So when you're, when you're backed up against the Red Sea and you're faced with a battle that you have no way of winning. What's your only alternative? To turn your eyes to God and say, God, I can't do this. And God's like, it's about time you figured that out. So, so God will, think about it this way, God will actually lead us into I can't do this situations so that we will look to God and say, God, I can't do this. I, I need some help. He led them directly into this. So why would God do that? Because because he, you know, we live in America, and in America, we like our independence. God isn't real happy with the idea of independence. God is a God of dependency. He wants us to depend on him. He's a very jealous God and he wants all the glory. And if we get into a situation that we can wiggle our ways out of, then he doesn't get any glory for that. So he'll put us into these situations. And so many times it's your I can't that leads you to the only one who really can in the first place. So if you're taking notes, write this phrase down. I, I call this my brush list, okay? Um, a, a brush list is a list that you should read over while you're brushing your teeth. So, so you can write this phrase down, type it down, put it on your mirror, and tomorrow morning when you're brushing your teeth, you can read this, okay? So to add this to your brush list, and that phrase is this, Never be afraid to entrust an unknown future to an all-knowing God. You don't have to be worried about trusting your unknown future because you're serving a God who knows all. He, he's, he's, he's already been there and back. In fact, the Message Bible reads this, this whole passage that we've been breaking down and reading. I want to read it for you in the Message Bible. The Message Bible says it this way, but I'll take the hand of those who don't know the way, who can't see where they're going, and I'll be a personal guide to them, directing them through the unknown country. I'll be right there to show them what roads to take to make sure they don't fall into the ditch. These are the things I'll be doing for them, sticking with them, not leaving them for a minute. So let's get interactive. Look, look at your neighbor and, and say this for me because I've got to get some dialogue going. Look at your neighbor and say, I may be blind, but I'm blessed. We can be blessed in the middle of those seasons of our life. Have you ever been in one of those seasons where you just feel like you're blind? Like you don't know where what's happening. You can't see what's in front of you. And you, you're asking God to help you. And your prayers just seem to hit the ceiling and bounce back. You can know that even in your blindness, even in those ways that you don't know what God's doing, that if you'll just reach your hand out and say, God, I just need you to lead me. I need you to guide me. I need you to make sure that I'm taking the right steps at the right time for the right reasons. So number one, we talked about blind. Number two, let's talk about darkness. Darkness. So it says says this in the text. It says, I will make darkness into light before them. It's very similar to blindness because it's darkness. You can't see. But here he begins to say that I'm going to shed light on your situation. So I guess we all have to ask ourselves this question, what kind of darkness are we in? Because, you know, in the Bible, darkness represents several things. Yeah, it represents evil. Um, it It can represent that. But in the Bible, it also represents separation. It represents loneliness. It can represent depression. It can, it can represent a lot of things that, I, that, that I'm in confusion. I, I'm in the dark here. I don't understand what's happening. And so we can identify the areas of our life that we feel like we're in the dark. And then the bigger question becomes, how do I make progress in the dark? Have you ever woke up somewhere, you know, in a hotel room or something? And, you know, if you wake up in your house in the middle of the night and you've got to stumble to the bathroom... You kind of know your way, even though it's dark. But it's it's harder to make progress in the dark. You know, you, you could you could run to the bathroom if you, if, if if there's lights on. Uh, I don't know why you'd need to run to the bathroom. Let's let's not talk about that. But but if it's dark, if I turned all the lights off in here and you had to stumble through here, you know, your progress would be slow. So it becomes harder to make progress in the dark. And so watch watch what it says in Exodus chapter thirteen. It says, the Lord went ahead of them. That's cool. Because when you think about it, they're, they're going down this path, down this journey, where, where it's, it's blind, it's dark, they don't really understand what's happening, but that's it, such a rich text that we could stop and preach that for a while if we wanted to, to just think about the idea that God goes ahead of you, that before you ever get there, God's already been there and came back and reported to what he's seen in, the, in your future. And so there's two reasons that we can, uh, there's two reasons why he can lead us through the dark places of, of our lives. And number one is this, is that he's already been there. He's already been there. So you're trying to raise teenagers. Well, think about it this way God has already seen your teenagers as grown responsible adults. And he knows the way. And he's come back to you as a parent to say, take my hand, I'll walk you through it. I've already been there. I've already seen him grown. I've already seen it all happen. And if you'll let me, I'll walk you. I'll navigate. I'll shed some light on the dark places of your life because he's already been there. The second reason is, is pretty obvious, but he is light. <laughs> so we can trust God to lead us through the dark places of our life and to shed light on the dark places of our lives because he is light, literally. He doesn't provide light. He is light. So when we have him as a part of our lives and we're walking and doing life with God on a daily basis and that Jesus is our Savior and we're allowed the Holy Spirit to lead us, that is a a light for us, showing us the way. John 8, 12 says, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. First John 1, 5 says it this way. It says, this is the message we heard from Jesus and now declare to you, God is light. And there is no darkness in him at all. So he is light. If, if we'll carry him, he will provide light in the dark places of our life. Now watch this. In verse 21 of Exodus 13, it goes on to say this. It says, no, no, verse, 20, verse 21, it says, He guided them during the day with a pillar of cloud, and he provided light at night with a pillar of fire. Right. So during the day, they had this cloud, not like the cloud on your iPhone, different cloud. They had this cloud that they would follow, and when the cloud settled, they would stop. And when the cloud rose, they would get up and, and they would go. But the same thing would happen at night. They would have a pillar of fire so that, the, so that they could keep moving. And it goes on to say this. Watch this. This is important. you got to catch this. It says, this allowed them to travel by day or night. So what that tells us, and the encouraging word for those of us who feel like we're in a season of being in the dark, the encouragement that we can find in that text is this, and that is that you can still make progress in the darkness. That in in those dark seasons of your life, you can still make progress. You don't have to be paralyzed by fear and paralyzed by uncertainty and paralyzed by depression and you're just waiting on God to show up. No, no, no. I can make progress in the middle of my darkness because God is light and he's showing me and he's leading me and he's guiding me. Verse 22, it goes on to say this. It says, and the Lord did not remove the pillar of cloud or pillar of fire from its place in front of the people. So God has not moved the light. It's there. We might be saying, well, John, why can't I see it then? So Let's let's talk about that. Let's talk about two practical ways. If you're if you're in, in a season of darkness, maybe your marriage, just feels dark. Maybe your finances are dark. Maybe maybe just your relationship with with God just just feels dry and dark and weary and lonely and and whatever it is you're going through. There's no shame in that. Listen, you need to understand that. If you're feeling, if you're in a season of this, welcome to the club. I mean, this is this is part of what we have to fight through and walk with on a daily basis. We live in a fallen world, and so if you're in one of these seasons, let me give you a couple of of suggestions on how to find that fire, how to find uh, that light that that is there. Because this scripture tells us that He has not moved the light. It's it's not there. So if God is unchanging, the only thing we need to look at is what's what's in me. What's changed. And so the first thing, if you're taking notes, is we have to understand that where there's smoke, there's fire. So if we're looking for fire, if we're looking for light, keep in mind that where there's smoke, there's fire. In, 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 in the same story, when, when Moses goes to Mount Sinai in Exodus 19, 18, I'll read this for you. It says, now Mount Sinai was all in smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire, and its smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace, and the whole mountain quaked violently and then in verse 20 i love it says this and moses went up there that moses saw the smoke and he said man where there's smoke there's fire and god's doing something on that mountain and i'm gonna go up there because something's happening on that mountain and so what we have to do is look for areas of our life where god is moving guess what you're at a church where god is moving where there's smoke there's fire so, so then you begin to think about things like you're on a Wednesday night. This is a fraction of the size of the entire church, but you're here because Wednesday nights God's doing something on this on this Wednesday night every month. And so, there, where there's smoke, there's fire. You need to look at, look at ways. Okay, how can I get plugged into this church? If if smoke is billowing from this church, how do I climb that mountain and get more plugged in than I've ever been? Maybe I should be a volunteer. Maybe I should get in, into a small group. Maybe I should get plugged into to the ways. we got to look for areas where God's moving and say, oh, I'm jumping right in the middle of that. If, if that's where smoke is, then I'm looking for light, I'm looking for fire, and I'm going to jump into it. The second way to find light is strike a match. Strike your own match. Build your own fire. So, so you, could go, you could go back to the, to the caveman days when it was dark, what'd they do? They, they lit a fire. They, they would start a fire. Because when I start a fire, it provides light. It, it may just be a little bit of light, but it, it'll provide light. And that light can become the very thing that in the dark places of my life will lead me and guide me into those moments. So, for, for, for illustration's sake, can you, guys, can you guys turn all the lights off in this whole building? Nobody panic. Nobody panic. You Can see the people that are either taking notes on their phone or playing Candy Crush. One of the two. <laughs> it's all good. I ain't mad at you either way. Candy Crush, fun game. So so think about it this way. I've got this I've got this little light up here. I struck a match. I have to be really careful not to set my beard on fire. This this would get really fun, really quick. But you can see that that whenever I light a fire, it provides a little bit of light. And the powerful thing about a little bit of, this is, this is sometimes we look for God to put a spotlight on our path so we can run. But so often God doesn't do it that way. God just allows you to have a spark of a light. And so then what happens is you, you, I, can, I can make progress. I can put this down and I may not be able to run but in the middle of my darkness I can still take a step. I can still, I can still make a move. There's this passage um, I'm going to read this for you in Psalm 119, 103. It says, How sweet are the words to my taste, yes, sweeter than honey to my mouth. From your precepts I, understand, I find understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. Watch this, 105. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So what do I do in the dark places? I'm not waiting on God to provide a spotlight so I can run. I'm just going to light a match myself. I'm going to stir something up within me. I'm going to get up. I'm going to get into God's Word. I'm going to come to church. I'm going to worship Him. In the, in the darkest, loneliest, most depressing ways, areas of my life are the times that I have to press in harder than ever and strike that match. Okay, you can turn the lights back on. So, so this, these are the areas. You guys remember in, in, in Luke chapter 24, uh, Jesus has died. He's, he's raised from the, from, from the grave. What are you guys talking about? What's going on? And the Bible says that the two men were blind to the fact that it was Jesus himself. And so he's just having a conversation with these two men in the middle of their darkness. They're saying, oh, you haven't you heard? The Savior, our hope, we have no hope now. What's happening? They're blind. They're, they're, they're in a dark place. Jesus took them through the writings of Moses, all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Flame. Lighting a flame. He was, he was stirring something up inside of them. And what was he using to do it with? The Word. The Word. The Word of God. The Word became flesh and dwelt among them. And, and, and then Jesus leaves later on, later on in the story. Jesus leaves and then watch what they say to each other in verse 32. They said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us? as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us you want to know where light is going to be revealed into the dark places of your life it's in the word of god you're like oh man another preacher telling me i need to read my bible yeah sorry about that (laughs) you know it's kind of a big deal because it's it's in his word that he'll speak to you you know people say all the time well god just doesn't speak to me Well, if you'll flip open the pages, he'll speak to you. That is his word. That is him speaking to you. That is his guidance. That is his light speaking to you. And so we dive into that when we're in the dark places of our life to bring that light. Paul said it this way in 2 Corinthians 4, 6. He said, For God who said, Let there be light in the darkness, watch this, has made this light shine in our hearts so we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ and we now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great, our great power is from God and not from ourselves. Did you catch that? It's in our hearts. Why? So that it's clear that I can't do this. I can't do it. I can't, I can't do this. So maybe the phrase, I can't do this, isn't that bad of a phrase after all. Maybe that's the point. Maybe that this light that, that, that helps me through life, and the Scriptures tell us that it's in here, it's in me. The Bible says that the same Spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead dwells in you. So the light, it may not come from outside of me, it may come from within me that it may be something that God brings and bubbles up from within my spirit to bring me through those dark places in my life. And, And then why? Because then it becomes perfectly clear that there's nothing that I did to get through this situation because I can't do this. It's God, but by the grace of God. So, Let's go to the the last part of this passage because I got to be quiet here pretty soon so we can go home. So it says, I will make the darkness into light before them. Watch, and it says, and I will make the rugged places into plains. So the third thing we need to talk about is the rugged. The places in our life that are rugged, that are tough, that we just can't seem to get ahead, that no matter how hard I work, there's an obstacle. And every time I jump over that hurdle, there's another hurdle. And every time I fix something, something else breaks. And every time I pay a bill another bill shows up in the mailbox and every time I get out of debt more debt shows up and it doesn't matter what happens it's the rugged it's the places and as I was studying this I came across another passage that wrecked me second Samuel twenty two thirty four, 34 it says this he gives me the agility of a deer and he enables me to negotiate the rugged terrain so I'm like well God which is it are you going to make the rugged places into plains or are you going to make me into a deer so I can negotiate these rugged plains? And what I felt like the Holy Spirit said was both. It's like what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said. They said, we will not bow down and worship him. Our God will deliver us. But then they said something even way more powerful. But even if he doesn't. So we believe that God is a God who can make the rugged places into plains. He can work the miraculous. He can do anything he wants to do and he'll, he'll work his power in our lives. But even if he doesn't, He will give me the ability to negotiate the rugged plains. He will empower me and equip me. Oh, I'll take a golf clap any day. He'll he'll empower me. He'll equip me to even get through the places that I didn't know how to get through. And Paul understood this. Paul Paul understood this completely. Remember that time in scriptures when it talks about that he had a thorn in his flesh? So so let let me take you to it real quick. In 2 Corinthians 12, 8, he says three different times I begged the Lord to take this away from me. I'll bet you anything Paul said to himself, I can't do this. And because he said I can't handle this anymore, he begged the Lord to take it away from him. But it goes on to say this, each time he said, this was God's reply, my grace is all you need, my power works best in weakness, in other words, my power works best in your I can't. Your can't produces his I can. And it goes on to say this, so now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. You see what's happening here, that, that my can't actually is what produces my ability to say I can. That my I can't, is the invitation for God to come in and sweep over me so that with Christ, I can do all things. So, so it's, it's that empowerment that comes along. Even, even Jesus understood this. Okay, let's, let's take away Paul for a second. Even Jesus, remember in the garden when he said, Lord, if there's any way, please take this cup from me. Do You know what Jesus was saying? I can't do this. I can't do this. But he said, Nevertheless, not my will, but yours. And what he's saying is that even if you don't make the rugged places into plains, I will face this old rugged cross, and I believe you'll give me the empowerment, the power to endure it and get through on the other side of it. So we can face the rugged places of our lives because Jesus faced a rugged cross. That's the only reason. That it's nothing we do. Don't don't start patting yourself on the back too quick. Because if it wasn't for him facing the old rugged cross, we could never face the rugged places that, that we're, we're forced to face in our lives. So Jesus used death to defeat death. And he used a rugged cross to defeat the rugged places in our life. So the fourth thing, and I'll, I'll close with this. we got This is one of the richest promises in all of Scripture. These are the things I will do and I will not leave them undone. Man, that makes me excited. So fourth, last but not least, is this point, is that maybe you can't, but he can. Because really, I hope, that, I hope that the next time that that phrase pops in your head, and for some of you, it was popped in your head today, it may be popping in your head right now, it'll pop in your head tomorrow. The next time you hear that phrase in your mind or in your soul or in your, uh, coming out of your mouth, I can't do this, just stop for a second and say, maybe that's not all that bad. Maybe when my back's up against the Red Sea is the perfect opportunity for God to show me that he can, that he can do what I can't do. And really, under the sound of my voice and really this whole planet breaks down to, to really two types of people, people who are, are Christ followers, people who believe in Jesus, who, who have a relationship with Jesus, and those who do not. I mean, what else is there? And and so I want to talk to both for just a second. Those of you in the in the room who who are living for Christ, who are doing your best, you're living for Jesus. You've accepted accepted Him as your Savior, your Lord and Savior. Where do we find the strength? Where where do we uh, get through our blind areas and our darkness and and those rugged places in our life? Um, I, I found one theologian that said it this way. He said, he said I have found that most Christians are dying of thirst, standing knee-deep in a river. That we're thirsty, we're, we're struggling through life, and we're neck-deep in the very Spirit of God that is there to help us through this. There was this this, this multi-multi-millionaire, his name was William Hartz. in the late 1800s. He was a multi-millionaire, and his fascination was rare works of art. He collected art, the rarest of the rare, priceless And he had a team of people that all they did was scour the globe, finding priceless art, priceless pieces for him to purchase. And there was this one that he'd been reading about that he just had to have. And so he called in one of his workers and he said, this is what I want. I want you to scour the globe, spare no expense, go wherever you need to go, get on any ship you need to get on, go find me this work of art and buy it for me. There's no limit to the price, I'll, I'll do whatever it takes. And so about four months later, this is a true story, four months later his worker comes back, comes into his office and says, I found that piece of art you're looking for. And the guy's like, oh, really? That's awesome. Where is it? And he goes, it's in your warehouse. You had it all along. The most prized possession that you would have given anything to have, you had it this whole time, and you didn't even know it. And I think that's how a lot of Christians walk this earth, that the very answers that we're looking for, the way Paul put it, that light is in my heart inside this fragile clay jar to prove that, that it's Christ's power that does the work. And so my prayer for you, let me read this passage over you. If, if, that's, if that explains you, this is my prayer. Out of Ephesians 3.16 says this, it says, and I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. That he will empower you to get through, to navigate through the areas of your life where you feel blind, to get light into the dark places of your life and to help you negotiate the rugged places of your life. The second type of person are those who just aren't in relationship with Jesus at all. And if you're, if you're here tonight and you say, man, Maybe that's me. You know, and I'm not talking about religion. Please, please don't mix the two. Please don't mix the two and say, well, my dad was Catholic or my mom was Baptist and she prayed over me and I was baptized when I was eight. I'm not talking about all that stuff. I'm talking about a personal relationship with Jesus every day that you're walking with him. He's leading you, he's guiding you. You are locked arm in arm speaking to him on a daily basis you're in a loving continual relationship with him and can i help you if you're going through any areas of your life where you feel like you're in the darkness or you're blind or you're you're just going through rugged places of your life you need this promise of god saying to you these are the things i will do and i will not leave them undone and so when you become a christ follower that's when the promise comes, that's when the covenant happens and you come into covenant with Jesus and he will lead you through the blind areas of your life, he will shed light in the dark places of your life, and he will help you negotiate the rugged areas of your life. And so, could, could you do me a favor real quick, could you just bow your heads, just real quick. Let, why, why are we bowing our heads? Because I don't want to give any kind of obstacle to somebody in the room who might say, that's me, I need to receive Christ. And so just for their privacy, this is not none of our business. This is between them and God. This is their, this is, this is that moment, you know, and this is really the most reverent holy moment of the whole night. I just preached a sermon. That's no big deal. But someone could potentially change their entire life and not just this life, but the eternity where they're going to spend eternity in this moment. So I just want to ask that question real quick. If you're here and, and you said, John, that's me, man, I I just need that relationship. I, I need to be in that covenant relationship with Jesus. And and maybe I've tried religion in the past and that just didn't work out for me. But tonight I need to come into relationship with Jesus. If that's you, no one's looking around but me. I just want to make eye contact with you. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to drag you to the front of this room and embarrass you in any way. You have my word. If that's you, we just slip, simply slip your hand up and say, Yeah, that's me. We pray for me. Yep, yeah, I see that hand. Awesome. Anybody else? Yep, I see that hand over here on my left. Awesome. I'll wait one more second. I'm not in any rush. This is, this is your moment. This is your moment. If you feel some kind of a twinge in your gut, like like nervousness, like almost like butterflies, that's, yeah, I see that hand, yeah. That's not me. That's not, that's not a motivational speech. That is the Holy Spirit coming to knock on the door of your heart and saying, let me in, let me in, let me in. I want to lead you, I want to guide you, I want to be with you. Real quick, anybody else, just shoot your hand up. Yep, I see your hand. Yeah, I see that hand too, awesome. Well, I believe that that the decision that you just made, you've made it, it's in your heart. and, And in a lot of ways, what just happened right before you raised your hand, what you're saying in your soul is, I can't do this, I need help. I can't do this thing called life. I need help. And so when you made the decision to raise your hand, I believe that God, man, just rushed into your life in that moment, that 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 the Holy Spirit is now living on the inside of you. Now, what we're going to do, the Bible says that those who confess with their mouth and believe in their heart, I, I think you already believe it in your heart or you wouldn't raise your hand in front of all these strange people but now we're going to confess it with our mouth because there's something powerful that happens when we open our mouth and we say it out loud for all to hear. So we're all going to say it together. Don't have to be nervous or afraid. We're all going to say it together. And so I just, I'm going to make it really easy. Just everybody say this prayer with me. Just repeat it after me. Say, Father God, thank you for sending your son to die for me. Jesus, thank you for paying the ultimate price for my sin. And today I believe that you died on a cross, and you rose on the third day, and my sin is gone. My shame is gone. I'm a new creation in Christ. Will you lead me when I feel blind? Will you bring light into my darkness, and when you make my rugged places into plains? In Jesus' name, amen. Can we celebrate that, you guys? Isn't that awesome? Well, will you stand to your feet for just a second? Here's here's how I would like us to close. Man, one of the greatest ways that we can close, I think we're going to go into the song that that simply says, Jesus, we love you. And and what a great way to end the night than to just pour out our hearts to, to the one who loved us first and for us to simply say, Jesus, we love you. Thank you that you're leading me through the blind places. You know what you should do? You should thank God for what he hasn't done yet that you thank him in advance. Why? Because he's already gone to that place and he's come back to give a good report. So you should thank him in advance for what he's about to do in your life. So when we sing this song, maybe maybe lifting your hands is uncomfortable for you. That's, that's out of your norm. You're not really a hand raiser. Man, here's what's cool. If we all did it, then no one's weird. We're all weird. So, so can we just do that for a second? I'll pray, and then we're just going to go into this worship song. Will you lift your hands? Everybody in this room, just lift your hands. It's not weird if everybody does it. See there? No one's weird. Actually, we're all weird, but that's okay. What does this mean? What does it mean to lift your hands? Lifting your hands, you know what You know what lifting your hand means? If, if, if you're able to find yourself on a battlefield and the enemy comes in, you know what you do? You lift your hands up. What does it mean? I surrender. So when we lift our hands in church, all we're saying is, God, i I can't do this. I need your help. I surrender. Help me. So Father, we stand in this room, arms raised as a symbolic representation of our hearts, that our hearts are surrendered to you, that our lives are surrendered to you, that our lives are not our lives, they're yours. And so Father, God, we love you. It's as simple as that. We love you. So, so God, would you begin to shed light into those dark places of our life? God, whoever's here today and they're going through just a season of blindness or darkness or ruggedness, God, may tonight be the night that you speak to them, that I can preach a sermon corporately, but only your Holy Spirit can come and speak individually. And so we pause for just this moment during this song for your Holy Spirit to come and minister to us individually like only you can do. In Jesus' name, amen.